Hello and welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Stuart. And I'm Simon. We're both property people running our own businesses and this podcast is just us chatting as we often do about anything and everything property. And we thought we'd just have a very, very quick check-in on the Red Hill property that Simon has fallen in love with, uh, even though it got, uh, it got sold from under him at an auction. But you've been keeping a very close eye on this property, Simon. Yeah, I, I don't think I've fallen in love with it. I'm just curious about its progression and, and not at all bitter that, that I didn't buy it. <laughs> and in fact, actually, the latest revelation, I think, suggests to me that I'm really not that bitter that I didn't buy it because we talked a couple of weeks ago now, maybe longer, can't remember, about different potential investment scenarios that, that the person who did buy this block of flats might have been thinking and how they could sell off flat or rent them out and, and what what their invested cash and income would be like but what they've actually done is they sold off one of the leasehold flats within this block that they bought as far as we can tell it went to that flat went to auction and sold for 168,000 this was a couple of months ago now and since then i've spotted that it has been relisted with another auctioneer and that auction has also now happened, only it didn't sell. The bids on it this time reached 150,000, and that obviously wasn't, wasn't enough to hit the reserve, and the flat did not sell. So I don't quite know what's wrong with this flat or this block of flats, but it would appear the, the value of it is gradually falling, <laughs> um, or perhaps not that gradually, in fact, gone down from having been bought for 168,000 to now not attracting any bids over 150,000. And this is for a, a two-bed flat in Red Hill, which should, strictly speaking, be worth quite a bit more than that. So, yeah, I don't, don't quite know what's going on there. I was just thinking about the, without going back into the details, because we shared about this on a podcast, two podcasts ago. So, but that particular flat was bought as a group of three, wasn't it? So yes. in terms of your sort of view on that property now, that that the devaluing of that flat would have has put you off the, the the group as a whole. Yes, I think. I mean, I think it's just an indication that there is probably something wrong somewhere. The fact that the block was bought, the flat wasn't kept; it was sold off, and now within a couple of months of being sold, I assume it went through. It's back on the market to be sold again, and now there's no one interested enough to to pay what the, the buyer is looking for. It, it, I, I think, I mean, while the market for flats generally perhaps is, is a bit down at the moment, I don't think it's that down. And it, it just makes me think that there, there must be something, something wrong in that block that, that we're not aware of. Yeah, it's probably something. And it's one of those where my, my personal experience is, if you want to do something like that, you, you have a punt and just see if if someone takes a bite because like we talked about before you, you get a bit of cash back in the bank to to go on and do what you wanted to do but it's interesting that you mentioned flats being difficult because obviously you know in the last week's episode we talked about someone pulling out of of our flat sale yeah indeed how how is that going is it still bad news or or do we have anything lighter to to uh, update with <laughs> Well, it's it's better news. We've had we've had a few viewings. We've actually had an offer 
another cash buyer offer, but it was probably between five and ten percent lower than the asking price. And and we're at a stage now where actually the funds from that property we can we can get from elsewhere to cover us. We're in no great rush, and as investors, we all know that the, the more motivated you are as a as a seller means that that you know the price differential does does drop. So we've kind of just said, look, no, we want pretty much as close to the asking prices as we've as we've got because we've just been down this path with a cash buyer and and we lost three months. So we are not particularly bought into that. The only other challenge is that personally, I don't feel that the and this could be incorrect, but it, it doesn't feel to me like the agents are all over it. Yeah. You mentioned that last time, um, and you also mentioned perhaps trying to market it yourself. Have you progressed on that front at all? Only insofar as we've set it up ready to go, but we haven't because they had viewings booked, so it didn't make sense for us to to get another listing up. Obviously, what we'd do is cancel it with the existing agent and then get ours up, but of course, you've got to pay money for that. I mean, relatively speaking, very low amounts, but we're still talking a couple of hundred quid. So we have got a few viewings now. So we're just going to see where those go and uh, take from there. So it's good news. But uh, I guess the only aside from me on this was the news a couple of weeks back around the, the bill around ground rent. For, so for those of you that did listen to the episode, the person that pulled out of this flat used the ground rent as, as the rationale for why they couldn't progress. And the argument was that the, because the ground rent was doubling every 25 years, that they were concerned that lenders wouldn't loan against it in 2093 because it would be greater than a thousand pounds and was doubling. But it, the as I said to Simon pre-record, what uh, what irked me somewhat was when it came out in the news a couple of weeks back that you know the discussions are very much live and active in in Parliament around the removal of ground rents. In fact, their terminology from the 12th of May was. The bill would fulfil the commitment to set future ground rents to zero. So that's clearly an aspiration. The likelihood of that and when that happens is anybody's guess, I would imagine, knowing Parliament. But the fact that it's on the table and that there's an ongoing discussion in legislation around uh, getting leaseholders the same uh, leaseholders of flats and houses the same right to extend their lease agreements as often as they wish at zero ground rent for a term of 990 years just leads me to think that actually knowing that information and knowing that that there's a high probability although not certain there's a high probability that in 72 years there wouldn't be anything to worry about i, I certainly wouldn't have uh, have pulled out of the purchase but that's just me yep uh, i think well I think we concluded before that it was probably an excuse rather than an actual reason. So presumably the, the real excuse or sorry, the real reason behind that would, would have still been there. Yeah. Uh, hopefully you can't, um, you can't look at these leasehold changes and say, if only, if only they'd been two years ago, then, then it would have been fine because presumably they pulled out because of some, some other reason. Yeah. And let's be honest, we, we all do. I've pulled out of purchases. We, it will have happened. I think it's just, it's just how, how it happens. And we talked about that before. But the final thing you just reminded me of then, because you like reminding me of the negative things in my life, was that only two years ago did I spend quite a lot of money in excess of £20,000 on extending the lease on this property. 
yeah, as we've talked about, I, I would have done that even if someone said to me, oh, in a few years, you might not pay for that because it would have been so ambiguous and undefined that we, I'd have just progressed regardless. But knowing that lease extensions may be reduced significantly in cost or, or taken away altogether is is something which is pretty significant and just reminded me that spend quite a lot of money in the last couple of years on doing just that thing. You mentioned might be significantly cheaper. Did they actually say in in the the stuff they put out that you're you're reading there that the costs will be reduced for for renewal, or did they just say that leaseholders will be able to renew whenever they want for zero ground rent, and, and perhaps the actual lease renewal would still cost? Yeah, it's it's still just a summary of what future le- legislation it says future legislation will. So I guess there is the intent there. I I think. They're talking about re- reforming the process of the valuations of the lease. Again, what, what that actually means in real terms is anybody's guess, but you'd hope that the, that the, that the intention is about simplifying it and making it easier. Because at the moment, I do feel, particularly the processes that I've been through, you could go to two solicitors and get different because ultimately it will come down to somebody's valuation of that lease. Now, we paid a significant amount because the property is in Greater London and the value of that property, you know, I can imagine people in certain parts of the country thinking about extending a lease for excess of 20,000, particularly on a a very small property that was 30 metres squared, a significant amount of money. However, obviously the capital growth of that property is significant, has been significant, is likely to be significant. But any any plans to simplify and reduce those costs i think is great because for me ultimately you're paying for legal fees as a as a property owner and that's kind of it it's then someone's you know the valuer that within the legal team whomever it is saying we think the extension of this lease should be worth this much and that's that's a very arbitrary way of doing it so yeah fingers crossed it does does improve Looking at it from the other side of the, the coin, so as a freeholder, perhaps, who, who owns buildings in which there are leasehold properties, I don't know how much, uh, when you're looking at these investments, I don't know how much is calculated in as expected return from lease extensions and how much you're sort of just relying on ground rents or, or perhaps even relying on a little bit of income for responsibility of managing the 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 block as a whole i haven't looked into them in, a, in enough depth really do you do you know Stuart, about sort of the calculations from a freeholder investment point of view i, I don't know I, I i have absolutely no clue all, all i know is you know obviously some properties you'll have 999 year leases versus our property where it's leasehold flats in a in, a, in an old victoria in an old victorian property versus a new build where those leases are 125 so even just that view that actually, to make this fair, we should just elongate this out to, let's say, a thousand years for the sake of argument, because then it removes any requirement on the leaseholder to have to keep thinking about this. And given that we know right now that as soon as a lease gets anywhere close to 70 years or less, that your ability to, to, to mortgage that property is, is not very good, then I think that would make itself make a huge difference. 
to the costs that are incurred by us as leaseholders. Yeah, I wonder what effect it will have on the value of the freeholds and and people buying and selling freeholds for investments. I I saw a thread a little while ago uh, on a forum about, actually, I can't remember what the thread was about, it was about something else, I think, but a comment within the thread was talking about buying freeholds of blocks of flats purely for the ability to build extra floors on the top, which is a, a relatively recent sort of permitted development planning extension. So effectively, you're you're buying the ability to to buy an extra. I think I'm not sure if there's extra one or two floors you can put on now, but you can put on at least another floor on these these buildings. So that could be another a flat, a, a penthouse flat, or it could be a uh, perhaps a, a couple of flats in bigger blocks, and, and that is potentially a, a huge gain in value from from these freeholds. So yeah, perhaps that's more of the the future of the value in freehold investments rather than rather than lease extensions or, or ground rents. Yeah, and as I've, I've talked about many times on this podcast, given my experiences with flats, current as it currently stands, leasehold will be the, the last on my list of, of properties to invest in at the moment. And obviously, financial is depending. If something really sweet comes along, you, you're not going to look away but i think it would have to be a very very good investment now for me to consider a leasehold given the, the, the challenges we faced so if you're not considering leasehold what what are you looking for these days in your investments maybe maybe things outside property as well what what, what is your your future investment path at this current time do you think well at the moment all of our funds are going back into the business so we've 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 put a lot of money into the properties that we've talked about on this podcast. So we've, you know, the five bed, it's now a five en suite, significant amounts of cost. We've just finished a three bed, three en suite. Again, significant costs there to, to, to convert these. So we've, a lot of funds have gone into the properties. And now it's a little bit like taking a step back and doing the thing that I'm really not good at, which is just letting things lie for a minute and not, not trying to, to, to build more stuff personally i'm focused on the rent to rent side of the business so our, our sort of landlord leased side of the business but other than property what all i've got at the moment really is um it's just a, an index linked tracker so we just pay a set amount into a FTSE 100 linked tracker which which we only started a few months ago but in that that few months has has increased by just under 10% and we kind of I kind of jumped in just at the start of February, I think it was, which was just when I was thinking, hold on, it looks like the all of the shares are massively still undervalued and and they have shot up. So it's just a my only thinking now is whether I should have gone for the sort of the FTSE two fifty rather than the one hundred. But that's a that's another consideration. But we we were talking about your foray into investments as well, Simon. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting you mention uh, tracker funds because that's something that I have been sort of meaning to to investigate and decide on and and just as you say sort of put a little drip feed into as as a an extra investment stream and you're you're never quite sure when to start these things are you but probably the answer is just close your eyes and get on with it and and then don't look at the numbers for a while just in case and and just to prove that point I saw an article recently which we'll, we'll link to in the show notes, but it's about 
uh, a landlord who has taken the dive into investing in cryptocurrencies. And we've, we've resisted talking about blockchain technology, which seems to be the answer to, to everything, despite the fact it really isn't, in, in my view. But putting that aside, cryptocurrencies do seem to have uh, certainly a, a presence to them at the moment, and probably, I think, still a, a future to them as well. And this article is about landlord who's invested a little bit of money to to play about with cryptocurrencies. I think they said they put in £12,000 at the beginning of the year, and they got some some lucky bets. And, and I think crypto investing at the moment really is just betting. And when they published their article, their their investment had, had grown to around 100000 which is incredible return in, in a few months. So I thought, well, okay, I've been meaning to sort out some crypto investment for a long time. So he's he's included the some some links to suggested platforms and things. So I'll do a little bit of investigation and get on and do it. Um, so I did that. And just to dip my toe in the water, I put five hundred pounds into cryptocurrencies. I split it about between a few different different types of coin and, and things. And that was, I don't know, a week or so ago now. And, and having checked this morning, my, my £500 investment is currently worth £402. So I, um, <laughs> I've not done as well as I might have hoped at this point in time. <laughs> I'm hoping a, a longer term uh, gain may result eventually. But um, the, the trick, I think, is, is to not look. <laughs> I think... I think that's true of of most investments. Other, than, I know there's people out there day trading and and getting involved, but it's it's like it, it's very hard. It's like having a podcast. As soon as you start a podcast, for example, you start looking at daily downloads, even though that's probably not the right thing to do. And it was the same when I started investing in the FTSE 100. Is that I start checking that every day, but I've kind of forced myself out of that habit because it was a long term thing, and I kind of think, well. Okay, if I'm if I'm just going to do this for the next five years, it really doesn't matter if it's gone up by half a percent today or uh, down two point five percent tomorrow, because over the long term, and I think all of the research I I did pretty much like property showed that over the long haul, those kinds of investments where you're investing into more of a diverse uh, selection of, of of shares, for example do increase and of course no no one knows no, no one can answer that but for me it's it's like you know you you invested that 500 pounds knowing that 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 could happen not wanting it to obviously but uh, and that is part of it isn't it and you know for me i feel like you know most of the capital should be okay and we've got a lot of money in property so okay if this investment doesn't go well or we lose a little bit of money it's not going to make me happy but over 5 years i'd like to think we still have a fair yeah, chunk of cash. That's one of the things that attracts me to property is that not only does it quite reliably go up over the long term, but it's also very stable. So, I mean, cryptocurrency is sort of the opposite end of the scale in so much it is so volatile. In in 24-hour periods, you can see value swings over 25%. And and that's in a in a day. A change in value of twenty five percent, which is just crazy and ridiculous to the sort of long term invest. Well, no, it's, it's ridiculous to 
rely on. That's what it's ridiculous to do with. <laughs> um, whereas, of course, shares, they, they do fluctuate, but probably a bit less. And, and of course, property does fluctuate. But we're currently amazed that property has changed by as much as 10 to 15% in a year in, in certain areas. That's, that's really, really unusual in a year. So that's, um, yeah, a lot more stable than over 25% change in, in a day. Yeah, I, I mean, the, personally, I, I had a look at crypto and it, I just hadn't had the time to have a really in-depth review of it. So for me, it would either be crypto or just buying a flight to Las Vegas and you know, put, putting quite a few chips on the table because it would be exactly the same as far as I'm concerned. I'd probably get more fun going to Vegas. So I'd probably do that than because, yeah, for, for me, it would just be like uh, throwing the money up in the air and, and seeing what happens. Yeah, at least that way you get a holiday. It'd be, it'd be over in a week and you can, can put your losses behind you and not worry about it. Whereas now I have to log in every day and, and keep looking at the number going down. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a long-term obsession now. And I didn't get a holiday. So, so yeah. <laughs> so is it a group of currencies or just a single currency? Oh, and you can choose what you want to do. Personally, I've, I've, I've handpicked a few of them. I say handpicked. It was actually sort of more like dart throwing really but the there are seven six six or seven i can't remember exactly six or seven different currencies that i've i've chosen and i've split my my grand investment of 500 pounds between them the coins vary in value from a few pence per whatever coin up to i think the highest value one i've purchased is ethereum that's around the sort of 2000 pound mark per coin so I have a, a tiny, tiny fraction of an Ethereum coin. And, and yet some other coins, I have multiples of them. So. Well, you'll you have to keep us posted on future episodes because I'm sure everyone else like me will be interested to see how this pans out. Yep, I, I will certainly keep people updated, hopefully with celebrations, possibly with commiserations. But having already lost £98, I'm hoping it doesn't get any worse. We, we shall see. And on that note, I think we are about out of time. So if you've enjoyed the episode, if you've listened to this far, we hope that you have. So please do leave us a rating or review. And if you want to find out anything on the show notes, we'll leave links there at thebusinessofproperty.com. And we'll see you on the next episode. Bye.